growing up, I loved Wolverine. I was a major Wolverine fan. I was, I was a major comics geek. I used to collect comics. Um, you know, I had to, I would say, the first appearance of Wolverine in a comic book, Hulk number 181. I saved up at that time $350. It was $350 for a comic book? Welcome to the Father and Son Podcast, where my father and I discuss anything that's been on our minds lately. In this week's episode, we continue our series of talking with other fathers. This week's guest father is named Marta Samartia. Marta Samartia is the founder of El Medina Institute and somebody who I find really inspiring. Hope you enjoy. So, let's start with a serious question. Okay, a serious question. If you were to be one superhero, because I know you like superheroes, love, what superhero would you be? Um, if you had to choose one. Wow. Both morally and physically, just the, the okay, whole Okay, so this is not, not just because of you know what powers they have. This is yeah. about like, the, the personality that they are. Oh, that's a... Uh, that's that's a tough one. Can I mix them up a little bit? No. Sure, you can make a cocktail. Yeah, I think I think the cocktail would definitely have to be. And I know a lot of people are gonna be like, "What? That's not." It would probably definitely have to be a, a mix of Superman and Batman together. Batman, I'll tell you what. Uh, Batman, because he he was always standing up for the oppressed, right? He basically he he gave his life, or he gives his life, to ensure that there's justice. And if anyone's out there trying to harm anyone, you know, Batman's going to throw his own physical body between you and that person to ensure that you don't get harmed. So, you know, I, I always say that in one sense, uh, not in all senses, mm -hmm, people are going to be... It's just, just <laughs> these, picking and choosing just, the best qualities. Now. Uh, in one sense, you know, uh, Batman has uh, some really, really noble qualities, uh, qualities within him. Then there's, of course, Superman. I mean, who wouldn't want to be able to have, like, super strength? Flying. Be able and... to fly and, like, run through buildings and, like, you know, swim in the water endlessly. I mean, so, and fly into outer space. So I, I would mix these two together. Uh, but I do have to say, growing up, I loved Wolverine. I was a major Wolverine fan. I was, I was a major comics geek. I used to collect comics. Um, you know, I had to, I would say, the first appearance of Wolverine in a comic book, Hulk number 181. I saved up at that time $350. It was $350 for a comic book? It was $350 for the first appearance of Wolverine in a comic. And he appeared in The Incredible Hulk, number 181. But in Incredible Hulk, number 180, there was a little picture of him because it was showing you what was going to happen in the next like comic a preview. book. Yeah, so they call it a cameo. So he was there in number 180. But his full appearance where you saw him completely was in Incredible Hulk 181. But now I think that comic book's worth like, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars because of the movie. Do you still have it? No, no, no. I sold it. I sold it a long time ago. I, I got rid of it when I was trying to get out of comic books and whatnot. I should have kept it though. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a good investment. So while we're on the subject of the whole superhero, what is Marta Samartia's moral code? Your the five principles that you live by, kind of like your superhero's code. Yeah, and I, it's, a, it's a very beautiful question, Yusuf. I thought we were just going to, you know, have very easy questions today. No, no. But Yusuf is a deep thinker, and so he, he has some uh, deep ideas here. 
So uh, I'll tell you uh, to to put it in a nutshell, and, and I'm and I'm failing in trying to do so. The the moral code uh, for me is the persona of the Messenger of God, Muhammad sallallahu taala alayhi wa alayhi. Um, there are so many beautiful things about him, sallallahu taala alayhi wa alayhi. So many things that we can appreciate, um, but uh, you know, as I'm growing older, uh, that which is the greatest draw to him is his beautiful morality uh, his personality how he was with his friends how he was with those that uh, uh, loved him in, in the inner depths of his home his own family um, how he was with just acquaintances that knew him uh, how he was with his other prophets that his other brothers excuse me his other brothers who were prophets uh, how he was with those that even wanted to do harm to him I mean if you look at the Prophet of God you just fall in love Yusuf like you become mesmerized by this human being who attains perfection in everything that he did and he was consistently perfect in everything that he did and he went through some of the most difficult challenges yet he still had the highest bar and highest rank of morality i mean being his wife being accused our mother say that naisha as the quran narrates to us can you imagine this this is like you've got this beautiful community of al madina al munawwara and you have the greatest creation of allah azza wa jal and it's marred by allegations and all of a sudden now you know his the honor of his family is being accused and look how patient he is during this whole process right he's not he's not actively out there trying to change people's minds he's not actively out there trying to figure out what did you say what did you say what's going on who said what trying to figure out who to blame right isn't that what we would do like the first thing you and i would do i'd get on the phone automatically try to go back to the source and that's not right you know you said this once and i would call meetings (laughs) i'd be like what's going on here and he doesn't do that He's just, he's just patient, patient, and he's just watching what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is allowing to unfold. And he's still human, right? He still feels the pain. He's still feeling the pain. That's the beauty about the Messenger of God, that in his perfection, and being that role model for us, Allah didn't remove the aspects of his humanity away from him and just make him an angel, even though he was better than all angels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The greatest creation of Allah Azza wa is our Prophet. That's what makes him even greater than angels. That, that he felt that human. Pain. That he's human. That he had to go through feeling that pain. Right? And that's why Allah tells us that in him, والسلام, is a perfected model for you if you desire Allah and the Day of Judgment. Right, because he's going through that pain because of his humanity, and yet he's still overcoming it in the most beautiful of ways without in any way, shape, or form allowing himself to step away from and you, O Muhammad, are on a vast moral character. And so, you know, he's what I would wish to be that one drop of him. Is my moral code just one drop? 
you know it's the reflection of him is it's good enough it's good it's more than sufficient that's it because he Alaihi he teaches us if we look at him and we we, we strive to to just fall in love uh, with him and be like him and follow him how I should be inside my home right how I should be with my family how I should be with my children how I should be with my wife and of course how a wife should be with her husband how I should be with uh, the people that I'm uh, working with how am I how I should be with the people that I don't even know but I have an interaction with from afar you know the prophet Alaihi anyone that interacted with him felt better than they did prior to interacting with him. Just that alone. Like that Muhammadan Rahmah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that you have an inter you have an exchange with the Prophet, you feel better. You're having a tough day, you go see him Alayhi Sallam, he says something that cheers you up. Uh, you know, that's what I hope to be sort of my moral code. And so for me, I try to just, you know, take things all back to him, Sallallahu Ta'ala Alayhi wa and I hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, just uh, allows that to come true throughout my whole life. I mean, so he's the ultimate superhero. Oh, the Prophet is the ultimate superhero. He is the ultimate. That's it. That's it. You know, and look, look, Yusuf, think about this. La ilaha illallah, what? Muhammad Rasulullah. <laughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's incredible. He's attached his own name, La ilaha illallah. Imagine it written out. Just close your eyes and imagine La ilaha illallah. Allah. And then what comes right after Allah? Is there anything between Allah and Muhammad? No. No. And who is the one who did that? Allah. Allah did that, right? So you have La ilaha, then Allah, and then right after Allah, Muhammad, Rasulullah. So Allah has attached the Prophet to himself. Allah did that. It's not a, it's not a station that we gave him. It's not that we... We started praising him so much, and then uh, no, Allah gave him that Allah station. Did, Allah gave him that station, and therefore we praise him and we love him because of the station that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gave him. And so, I think for us as just human beings in general, it's just me as Mu'tasim, the more that I come to the reality that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was a perfected manifestation of the divine names and attributes of Allah then I come to the reality of, well, that's how I need to try to live my life. And that's what I need to try to be. And that's what I should try to inspire all those around me to be as well. And it becomes your ultimate calling in life. Just be Muhammadan, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Can you imagine that? It's, it's, imagine pretty, like, it's pretty incredible, yeah. Just be, just be Muhammadan, just, just, just be him, sallam, in all places and spaces. Oh, that's so beautiful. SubhanAllah. I have two follow-up questions. That was okay. first. You mentioned your children, your family. Mm-hmm. So you try to reflect the prophet with how uh, how the prophet acted towards his children in the way you raise your children. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think is the biggest lesson or the biggest thing that you want your children to take away from you that is not that is, that you came from the prophet? What do you want your long after you're gone and your children are still here? What do you want them to take away from you? You know, I, I, you know, Yusuf, for me, I, I want them to have an attachment to the Messenger of God. I just, I'm, the one thing from me that I pray that my children take, and I pray that I even have it to give them, is an attachment to Allah's Messenger, sallallahu ta'ala, a deep-rooted love of the Prophet of God, uh, an, a knowledge and awareness of the Prophet of God, uh, wanting to learn more about the Messenger of God, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I mean, I think about this question all the time. Like, what is it that thing that I want to ensure that they have? 
I want to ensure that they're hearing his name, sallallahu ta'ala, alayhi wa ala, every day of their lives, multiple times. I don't want the Messenger of God, alayhi salatu wasalam, to be a distant reality for them. I don't, oh, yeah, well, you know, la ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, oh, that's what we say as Muslims. No, what does that mean? Right, you, you know, want, yeah, you want them to feel it. Oh, oh I, because I, I still want to feel it even more and more and more. And I know, like all throughout the whole aspects of my life, all my ups and downs that I've gone through, and I've gone through so many. You know, if it wasn't for that prophetic persona, wasalam, I don't think I would probably be sitting here with you today. I don't think I would be in this position that uh, I am. You wouldn't here. be in Istanbul. You I, wouldn't no, be in Medina. Absolutely not. I mean, you know, the Prophet. You know, that connection to the Messenger of God, that Allah has afforded out of his bounty and generosity and by meeting these amazing mashayikh uh, like Sheikh Muhsin al-Najjar and, and uh, Sheikh Mukhtar Maghrawi who have this deep-rooted love of the Prophet, it's that connection that has told this narrative of life that you and I are living. It's that connection, right? Think about this, Yusuf. You know, through that connection to the Prophet, we're here in Istanbul. Mm-hmm. Someone would say, oh, how could you say that? Well, it makes complete sense I would say that because if it wasn't for that connection, we would have never thought about even doing this program. Absolutely. <laughs> right? There'd be no reason to come and there'd be no reason to leave America, we comforts would, of America. Right, we're talking about the Suhba, the Suhba Fellowship Program that we started through Al Medina and you would have never moved from England. Nope. So all these experiences that you're having in life right now would have never come. That narrative wouldn't have been written. But it's because, again, that connection that your family has to the Prophet of God, your grandfather, right, who's been striving in that path for so long, and his barakah, and the barakah of your father, Yusuf, and the barakah of your mother, and the barakah of your uncle, and the barakah of all these beautiful individuals around you, and these beautiful cast of characters around you, who have been trying to connect to the Prophet of God, this narrative has been written for them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And these narratives all come together. And they're all coming together trying to move towards Allah and His Messenger. So for my kids, I want that narrative to continue. That I want that, you know, the the connection to constantly be to Him, so that every step, every thought, every process that they make in life, they have a a epicenter to go back to and realize how can I be Muhammadan? Something that's grounding them to come to come back to the Prophet. Absolutely, I can give you theory, I can give you law, I can give you fiqh, I can give you usul al-fiqh, but you're not going to accept any of that until you're grounded in somewhere where your heart is swimming, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's why love is a, a, major, a major grounding factor, right? If you love someone, you do things for them, even without them even asking you to do so, because there's, it brings you pleasure to see them happy. Right? Yeah. It's very different than, you know, Yusuf, you may not do something because you think mom or dad or your uncle Matosim is going to get mad at you, right? That's a driver. And some people are driven by that and it works. uh, But other people are also driven by just love, right? And so for me, if they have that connection to the Prophet of God, and he's he's hay, he's alive in their hearts, um, he's not just a static character. Uh, that he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam is fluid in their beings, uh, through their body, like the blood through the veins. Oh, I would die a happy man. <laughs> I would die a very happy man. So from, saying, from what you've said, do you think that the father, a Muslim father's, okay, we can't generalize all fathers because mm-hmm. it wouldn't apply to fathers of different religions, but a Muslim father's role is to bring his children closer to the Prophet? 
oh, uh, above all other things. Yeah, uh, look, we 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 you know when it comes here's this is a this is a this is a big question, and I think um, uh, we have to reset life for a moment. You know, why did Allah Subhanahu wa Taala create us? Allah did not create me so I can drive a really fancy car, so I can live in a really big home, so I can just, you know, build business after business and make more money and give my children more money to spend more money and be attached to more money and to just, you know, be swept up in the dunya. Allah tells us why he created us in the Quran. I mean, if, if we believe in God and if we believe in the principles that have been taught to us through through the Quran, through our Prophet, we understand why we are here, right? And Allah tells us in the Quran that I created you to test you to see which one of the, which of you will do the best of deeds. And I've guided you to two paths. And the Akhirah, the next life, is better than, for you than, than this world. And don't get attached to material things. And don't do this and don't do that. And then he tells us that he has guaranteed a rizq. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guaranteed my sustenance. Like, look, I have, you, you're so kind. Your families, the, the Fahmis are a very generous, beautiful family. They always have been. May Allah continue to bless them in that beauty and that generosity. I mean, I have in front of me nuts. I have in front of me water. And I have in front of me coffee. <laughs> right? I didn't do anything to make these appear in front of me. You may have brought them here. And you have may have made this coffee. Did you make this coffee, Yusuf? No. No, you didn't make this coffee, right? Uh, whoever made this coffee, made it. you may have made it, but its reality of being here in front of me is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had written for me in this life that I would have this coffee, this water, and these nuts at this exact moment of my life. It's part of my rizq from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, given through the tool that he displays his generosity through other human beings. So I did nothing <laughs> to, to get this water, coffee, and these nuts. But Allah guaranteed me that he's going to take care of me, so he's guaranteed what my portion is. And so that is fundamentally true when it comes to this world and it comes to the, the, the objects that we need to be able to operate within this world. Yes, of course, we're going to educate our children. Yes, of course, we're going to give them the skill sets that they need to be able to earn and do that which they need to do to be a functioning part of society. But that is not my primary, primary objective as a father. My objective as a father is not to produce just another consumer. So Nike and, and Walmart and, and Target and Apple can have higher bottom lines. That's mm -hmm. what the current world wants to try to confuse confuse and convince me and you and the rest of us that our role is that your whole worth is tied to how much you earn yeah and how much you spend and what your credit score is and how much you can borrow all these material things and, and how big your home is right and uh, how many cars you drive and how many different watches you own and how many different sneakers you have and do you have a Netflix account? Do you have an HBO account? Do you have a Disney account? Da, 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 da. All these things are just material in their nature. And this is what Allah in the Quran is warning us. Don't get attached to that. That's not why you're here, right? He tells us the, he tells the Prophet, don't even look to the things that they have of this dunya, right? 
So as a father and a mother, our responsibility is not to drown our kids in those realities. Mm -hmm. We, we don't want to, them to be grounded by these no, things. We have to. We have to interact with it, right? Yeah, we, of course. We yeah. live here. Yeah, <laughs> this is not Jannah. Yeah, <laughs> right? we're not. Just, I mean, yeah, that is very true. But my responsibility is to attach them to Allah and His Messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. My responsibility and my wife's responsibility and the community's responsibility is to give them a moral consciousness and a moral code that they can operate within so that they can be prepared for the meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the Day of Judgment. Just remember, the Prophet told us that on the Day of Judgment, you know, he says, uh, each one of you are shepherds, and each one of you are shepherds over your flock. And that on the Day of Judgment, my children, think about it, who came from me, raised in my home, they will be there in front of the, 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 the presence of the Divine. And when things, and may they all go great, but if things don't go great for them, what are they going to say? Yeah. My father, he didn't raise me right. <laughs> he didn't raise me it's right. It's not my fault. Yeah, so the Prophet, والسلام, he's so generous that he's telling us the ending of the movie before it even fully plays out, just warning us, don't end up like that. So as a dad and as a mom and as a parent, if I know that the, <laughs> this this child of mine that I'm taking care of by just stuffing them with more iPads is going to end up showing up like that on the Day of Judgment, then I need to change my equation. Because it's going to reflect on you and it's going to weigh on your scales. It's going to destroy me, right? And that's not what you want, right? And so uh, Allah talks about families that are together spiritually in the way of Allah and His Messenger, those are the families that are blessed. Those are the family that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to build. We have a prophetic family. We have, you know, how the Prophet was with his grandchildren who were like his children, and what they taught them and what he constantly was pushing them and who they became and what they did. Those are the ones that are remembered. Not, you know, not just a pure, you know, a consumeristic. The one who had the most Apple products, he's not remembered. Yeah, yeah, and he, exactly. At the end of the day, what, what, what do we want that? I mean, okay. Then what? There's always something else, right, Yusuf? Like, you know how Apple does it, right? Apple puts out a product. It leaves out certain uh, aspects of the product so it can, it can upgrade. Certain upgrades can be in the next product. And then it comes out not necessarily a year later, nine months later. So you're confused. Something better will come out. Yeah. Do I buy it right now? Okay, I'll buy it right now. Then I'm going to spend double the amount to get the next version, the, the, you know, the 8.5 or the 12.0 or the X, whatever it is. And it constantly happens that way to keep you constantly a slave, a abd. Right? But you're not a abd to Allah. You're a abd to the dunya. You're a abd to the dunya. Right? And, you know, Sayyidina Ali once having a conversation with the dunya, it's really, he says, you go, you go, you go try to ghurri um, ghayri. You go try to de deceive other than me. Right? And so the dunya tries to do that, and then we get caught up. And then what, Yusuf? And then you just get caught in it. You get caught, you get trapped, and then you forget about what the real reality is, what's, what's going to come after. Yeah. Because yeah. on the Day of Judgment, all these material things are going to sink. And if you're, if you're attached to them, you're going to sink with them. But if they're not in your heart, then you'll be fine. Absolutely right. And so, you know, the most beautiful individuals I've ever met in my life, um, their beauty had nothing to do with their wealth. The most beautiful individuals that I've ever met in life were individuals who were just morally beautiful. Now, it may be that some of them were very wealthy and they became even more beautiful because their mor morality 
had them spending that wealth to help people in need, uh, to, to help other individuals here and there. So they became even more beautiful. But wealth alone or, or, or material possessions alone, actually, it, there's, not much, there's not much beauty there. Beauty is just in dealing with people, uh, you know, and in, in, in the, the content of their character. Those are beautiful individuals. So you keep talking about the people around you. And you, mashallah, have a very impressive network of mashayikh and scholars around you. Do you, what, what is the importance of having such a influential network, such a beautiful network? How do I use to start trying to build a network of people around me who can support me? Because around you, you have hundreds, maybe thousands of people who in appearance, they look like they, they're, they can help you bring you closer to the Prophet. And how do you start by doing that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Yusuf, everything that we have in our lives ultimately goes back to where? Allah. Allah, right? Everything that we have is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah is the giver of all gifts subhanahu wa ta'ala. And He tells us in the Quran, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu taqullah wa kunu ma'as-sadiqeen. Gives an equation for like everything in life. It's really incredible. So if you if you read that ayah, he says, "Oh, you who have iman, have taqwa, have awe, have fear, have you know awareness of Allah." Right. It's my first piece of advice that I'm, I'm given from the one who created me, which is kind of a big deal, Yusuf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. And then he says, "And be with the people of truth." Right. So he he, he tells us, Subhanahu wa Taala, who we should have as friends. And so uh, there's two aspects to that. Is number one, uh, how do I access these people and who are they? I have no idea, right? Maybe don't. Yeah. And number two, well, if I'm going to be with them, he's also then telling them to be with them as well. So I have to ensure that I'm actually one of them. Yeah. <laughs> right. It becomes then like the responsibility for me to, to improve act, yourself, to, to improve get, myself, to, to join the club, to join the club. Right. Otherwise, you can't stay in that club. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the first thing that we all attempt to do is that we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to uh, grant us their company. We make dua. We make lots of sincere dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts us in the company of his people, his men and his women. And we keep making that dua and it never ends. And you keep doing it. Ya Allah, connect me to your people. Ya Allah, connect me to people. That was... I'm not claiming anything. The things that you said are very beautiful and kind, Yusuf. But that's been my du'a for a very, very long time. And it consistently is my du'a. And number two, then I personally, even if I'm not connected to them right now, I have to start doing the work that I need to do to start getting in shape, to start to be able to have those friendships if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses me with them. That means that I have to be Muhammadan, alayhi salatu salam. I have to study his moral character and I try to do whatever I can in life to live that beautiful life. So the, the, the thing that I do before I even reach, the thing I do while I reach, and the thing that I do after I reach is I take the Prophet as my friend. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. Uh, Even if you say, oh, I don't have these mashayikh, well, no problem. Guess who you have? The Prophet. You have Sidna Nabi. I have Sidna Nabi and even when you befriend these people guess who they're talking about the Prophet they're talking about the Prophet and who are they trying to be like the Prophet the Prophet so those tools 
are already there in front of us. Everything that you and I want to access to be like, to be with them, well, we have the Prophet of God. We have the Seerah. We have books, beautiful books written about his Shema'ad. We have the ability to send many blessings and prayers upon the Prophet which will then cause an internal change in our hearts spiritually to bring us closer to him morally and intellectually, right? So we have everything we need to get started right now. We just have to get started. You go to the gym, yeah, right? You just go and you say, okay, I want to start getting in shape. So that means I need to start working out. I need to start watching what I'm eating. You have enough knowledge, right, to know what to do to be able to start doing it. But what happens once you enter that arena, you're naturally going to start meeting people who have the same interests, right? Mm -hmm. Does that happen? Yeah, of course. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. You meet other guys who are into basketball, right? You meet other guys that are into soccer. And then you guys start doing what? You start practicing together. You start <laughs> you start driving each other, basically. Right. But where did it have to begin? With you making the conscious effort to change. That's it. So this is the whole process. The whole process means that, you know, we always say, oh, I don't have access to this. Oh, I don't. No, no. We have access to everything that we need personally. We just have to start acting upon the access that we have personally. So once we do that and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees sincerity, he widens the circle and he widens the circle and he widens the circle. And, you know, it's a very uh, a, a beautiful thing. Uh, but ultimately what you're going to realize, no matter how wide your circle is, it depends on you to continue the practice of what you're trying to do within that circle. So People aren't going to drag you. You have to keep walking. Absolutely not. Listen, who's going to drag you to the gym, Yusuf? Nobody. No one. It's up to you to make I a I have to get there. You have to get there. Who's going to make you eat, uh, you know, uh, broccoli and chicken instead of Doritos and uh, what's your favorite junk food snack? Um, Kit Kat. Kit Kat, right? Who's going to, you're going to make that decision at the end of the day. So the same thing happens in the spiritual realities, right? You want to go through a positive change. You've got the Quran. I see the Quran right here. You've got books of dhikr. You've got a prayer rug. You know the Qibla direction. You have a couple mosques that your home is between. Did you go to the daily prayers? Are you praying on time? Are you doing your dhikr after salah? Are we doing reading from the Quran? Are we even doing the things that we need to do? Oh, no, I, I don't know people of God. I don't. But then we're not even doing the, the things that we have to do to be attached to those sort of individuals. And so as human beings, we need to take a hard look in the mirror. And we need to realize I'm out of shape because I'm overeating, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. I'm not out of shape because, oh, they're just naturally skinnier than me and God has blessed them in a way he, he has hasn't a faster blessed metabolism. me and he has a faster metabolism. Well, what's his fast metabolism going to do if I'm constantly eating junk food? No, no, let me try changing, cleaning up my diet for a year and seeing what positive changes come. And then we go from there. Same thing in the spiritual realm. I need to clean up my spiritual diet. I need to clean up what I'm consuming, and I also need to clean up my outputs. And then when I do that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises us that change will happen because he subhanahu wa ta'ala is generous and he's kind. So, uh, you know, what, what I would always say is that everything, whether it's at the beginning, the middle, or, or the end, continues with a personal commitment to constantly living on these principles. Your father... He's an Iron Man, right? He ran yeah. in the Sahara Desert. 
Do you see him just like lounging around all day? No, I don't. So what's he still doing all the time? He's running and training and... And he's been doing this for a long time. But you'll notice that his habits are still the same positive habits, right? Why is he always in shape? Because he's, he's been doing the same thing as he's been doing for years. The routine is still taking place. It didn't mean that he got in great shape at one point in his life, and then now he said, Khalas, I'm After done. After the race, he was done. He, you know, he didn't fall back. He continued with he, that lifestyle. Because it never ends, right? And if he did fall, fall back, then he would have lost everything that he gained. Because the body is built in such a way that you constantly have to push it. The spirit is the same way. Allah put a, a, a correlation between what happens in the physical body and in the spiritual body, right? The difference is the spiritual reality can experience so much more. The body is limited. But the principles that govern, by and large, are the same. So if you eat too much fat mixed with too many carbohydrates and you're not exercising your body, you're going to start to get fat. fat. You're going to gain weight. You're going to get fat and lazy and it makes you tired. Same thing in the spiritual reality. If I'm watching too much Netflix and I'm watching too much this and I'm not you know, conscious of what I'm allowing inside my heart, then I'm going to get spiritually fat. And then if I'm spiritually fat and I need to get in spiritual shape, I need to start doing a spiritual workout. And sometimes, just like everything in life, do you see results right away? No, it takes a while. It takes a while. And then all of a sudden you start noticing, ah, I can actually sit longer in the dhikr of Allah. Ah, I can do one or two more push-ups this week than I could four or five weeks ago, right? You start to notice a difference. The body's telling you it's changing. The spirit, the same reality starts happening. The spirit starts to slowly change. You start to desire more dhikr of Allah. You start to desire more times of peace and serenity with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But just like you got yourself used to eating Doritos, you got to get yourself used to eating broccoli. So just got, you got yourself used to not being in the remembrance of Allah, you have to get yourself used to being in the remembrance of Allah. And once you get through that phase, oh, it becomes the best thing in your life. It becomes easier. So. You so reflecting on what you said, you took something that sounds like the first step when you came to Istanbul, right? You came to Istanbul for the software program, which is a big first step. You started moving towards towards what's in software with Sheikh Mukhtar. But that's not my question. My question is, how in life do you balance this this Medina as a business and as a sahaba? and your family and your children what's the perfect balance so you don't so there's this there's this saying you know the cobbler's son has the worst shoes mm -hmm. <laughs> the cobbler's son has the worst how do you um, how do you prevent that from happening with pe the people around you your children how what because obviously it's works for you because your children are mashallah great kids first of all that that those realities that you just brought up are all bounties from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remember not, nothing happens except for through him subhanahu wa ta'ala dua 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 asking allah asking allah ya allah begging allah not just asking beg we throw ourselves at his doorstep subhanahu wa ta'ala we beg him ya allah we don't just beg him for our children Beg him for the children of our friends. Because your generation, Yusuf, you're going to be teaching generations to come. And if you know, and, and, and if the beauty of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah and all that it entails is not 
is not in your heart, heartfelt, then the next generation that's going to come after you may not have access to it, or if it's going to have access to a diluted version of it. And so we need to ensure, Ya Allah, Ya Kareem, Ya Fatah, that our children and their children and their children are holding really strong to these principles. So the beauty and the nur of our Prophet can shine uh, throughout the whole world. Dua, we beg God to put barakah in our children. We beg Allah for ourselves and them that we keep strong to La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. There's nothing that we inherently have within ourselves that is worthy of this gift from Allah Azza wa Jal. It's a gift from God. Remember Prophet Adam alayhi salam? He had two kids. Mm-hmm. What does Allah tell us about what happened between them and the Quran? That one killed the other. Isn't and they're, they're sons of whom? The Prophet Adam, the first Prophet. Can you imagine that? Sayyidina Nuh alayhi salam. What happened to his son Yusuf? The whole story of his son. He went to, oh he, yes, yes, yes. He went to the, the other side and he drowned. He didn't join him. The wife of Sayyidina Lut, right? Sayyidina Lut, she didn't join, mm-hmm. right? And so the Quran is filled with these amazing stories of God's elect, his chosen, and yet they still go through these challenges within the home because ultimately Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us the guidance of the heart is only with whom? Allah. With him subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we ask him that he keeps us grounded on that beauty and that reality of la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah and our kids. Uh, that's number one. Uh, number two, I would just say, going back, my first big step was not actually the suhbah, uh, you know, in, in terms of, you know, trying to make a, a spiritual move towards Allah and His Messenger. I worked in a 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. job uh, for actually, you know, 90% of my adult life. Uh-huh. Uh, that's what I did the whole time and working for the federal government, working for private IT companies. So, you know, that's all the things that I used to do while having children and having a family, um, what I attempted to ensure is that everywhere we were going on the weekends, in the week, in the evenings, was connected to Allah and His Messenger. If the masjid had an event, we went to the masjid event. Uh, we would ensure that everything we're doing was sort of in that envelope. So, you know, here, you know, what's happening here is that... Uh, as parents in general, you know, you don't have to move to Turkey to have a spiritual life, right? Mm-hmm. You know, whatever you're doing at home, you just have to be practitioners of that spiritual reality. So, you know, gathering for the remembrance of Allah with your family, taking them to ev- events at your local masjid, conferences, just ensuring that uh, the family is operating within a spiritual envelope that they're always aware of, that they went to conferences, they did this, they did that. I mean that for the kids, it's 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 key because the apple typically doesn't fall far from the trees. Mm-hmm. So I would just say that you know, uh, ensuring that you're trying to collectively integrate with each other this life. So when I sit down, for example, to do some readings of prayers upon the Prophet I say Muhammad Ali Hassan Ahmed Zain Hazar, come on, let's go. Yeah, everybody, everybody's involved. Yeah, I don't go to a corner. Uh, There are times I do that when it's my private time, but there's always going to be a daily touch point in which um, something is, you know how families eat dinner together? Yeah. I hope families eat dinner together, do they? 
We need to. Yeah. <laughs> the ideal family does, the, yes. Yeah, and you have to strive to make that happen because it's easier not to, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's easier. Just everybody just picks up a plate and does their own thing. So you have to do the hard work of saying, nope, we're going to actually put everyone together. We're going to do these things together and you do the same thing in the spiritual realities. Thank you so much, Yusuf. Thank you so much for having me here. Mashallah. It's been a pleasure. It's really been a wonderful conversation. Oh, I, I, I had a wonderful time and uh, I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses you on this path and keeps you strong on it, Yusuf. I mean, I mean. And I'll see you at uh, the masjid and the gym. Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. I go, assalamu wa